My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. How many darn sessions can you have in one day? We have a fabulous rally. We have a hideous nosedive. Then we have a miraculous ramp up with the Dow ultimately gaining 41 points, S&P dipping 0.06%, NASDAQ declining 0.61%. That's three, count them, three sessions in one. Let me walk you through it. I'm gonna go blow by blow so you understand. This morning, stocks opened so strong. So I actually wrote a piece for realmoney.com saying, hey, please, 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 don't chase this rally. I mean, you got bad news out there in three key groups. You got miserable but mellifluous report from United Continental, a convoluted and sad set of numbers from General Electric, and a devastatingly serious uh, uh, report, series of reports, actually, about a collapse, a wholesale collapse in sales for the new iPhone. Not to mention a damning story about the quarter from semiconductor giant Texas Instruments. But then the market takes a total header in reaction to those stories. And when the Dow had fallen almost 272 points from its high, I dashed off another piece, saying that people have instantly gotten too negative. At the lows, I argued that while you might not want to own the stocks in the immediate blast zone, there's still plenty of good stuff to buy in the weakness before the proverbial cyber ink could even dry. We shot up 140 points, and we're back at levels where I got concerned that now we're coming into hot tomorrow. And that was the moment I realized it's time to adopt a new view about this market. We have a 9.30 to 11 a.m. session. Then another one goes from 11 to 2. And then the final one covers the last couple hours for the close. This is the only way that we can make sense of what's currently going on. It is that difficult. So what exactly did happen today? First, as I always tell you, in the heat of earnings season, the action can just get confusing. It's like the fog of war. People take their cue from the headlines, many of which these days, by the way, you may not realize this, are written by bots. But this rarely gives you the whole story. If you actually do your own homework, you get a very different assessment of the situation. That's why I want to do the homework for you to explain the causes of the second session today, the precipitous midday decline, as opposed to the strong opening, the strong close. What caused the weakness? And it was ugly, by the way. A lot of people were saying it's over, Jim, it's over, but they say that all the time. All right. Tech started down because of the widespread belief that Texas Instruments reported a rare bad quarter, and thus the whole semiconductor space must be slowing. But having the misfortune of having to do all the homework, as I do, I can tell you that this was definitively not a bad quarter from TXN. It was actually an excellent quarter. Sure, the company's management didn't pound their chest and tell you how amazing they're doing. That's not their style. Never has been. So why did the stock go down? Simple. The stock of Texas Instruments started the year at 105, and it shot up to 120. No one could believe, frankly, where it had gotten to ahead of the quarter. So therefore, it kind of was due for a pullback anyway. In short, it had the bad luck of rallying endlessly, then reporting a quarter that was enough to verify the rally, but not more than the rally. Plus, somehow, perhaps by mistake, 
The head of investor relations said that Texas Instruments personal electronics business, PE, was, and I quote, a mixed bag. A mixed bag. I mean, when I, when I, I heard the phrase mixed bag with a, with, with a stock that, that had just rallied 15 straight points, I mean, mixed bag, mixed bag, mixed bag. Did he, did he just say mixed bag? I knew it was all she wrote for Texas Instruments. Oh, I prayed for a do-over. That they could somehow take it back. You know, like in that Superman movie where they got the world back eight seconds? Oh, you know, upon further review, I mean, anything, a red challenge flag from their own team. But the cat was out of the bag. Or the horse had let them born. Whatever animal metaphor you want. And it was the end. Almost every single semiconductor and semiconductor capital equipment part fell, fell apart. All the manufacturers fell apart with the mixed bag. It was hideous. And it didn't end. Memo to Texas Instruments. Next time when you have a bad out of hell good number, don't refer to any particular line item as a mixed bag. Especially because it really wasn't. It was actually it was good. Oh, and by the way, after it closed tonight, some good news for semis. Lamb Research reported a blowout quarter. Probably see the first uh, session tomorrow of the three. Very strong because of LRCX. But how about this Apple situation? No, we got to address it. Elephant in the room. Elephant, Apple, whatever. First, let me make something clear. And this is something I learned from Lerner and Lowe of all people, two great, uh, two unbelievable stock analysts. Apple stock can go down. This is not like the old play Camelot, where Robert Goulet croon, a law was made a distant moon ago here. July and August cannot be too hot. And there's a legal limit to the snow here in Camelot. You see, there's no legal limit to Apple stock falling. Apple's crime? It's the dreaded surveys that these analysts keep doing again. This time, there were multiple surveys that show a steep drop in orders for parts that the company uses to make the iPhone 10. How steep? Oh, man, I read perhaps 50 percent. I mean, it's, it's, it's BOGO. It's buy one, get one. It's like cereal boxes. Now, the report made it seem like you literally, literally can pay far less for an iPhone than what it's selling for. It's not true. Now, I have no idea how sales are going at this very moment for either the X or the 10 or whatever you want to call it or the components inside. It's entirely possible that they're not that great. It's also totally legitimate for analysts to suggest that you trim your position. No one ever got hurt taking a profit. And nearly everyone who owns Apple has a profit, right? I mean, think about it. Everybody. However, in what may be the loneliest defense of Apple I've made in ages, let me just say that even if sales are weaker, this company's been able to triumph over moments of weakness in the past. Remember, Apple's less a tech stock than a consumer product company with terrific revenue stream and fabulous technological prowess. But that doesn't mean it never gets hit. Remember, Apple tumbled from the 130s down to 90 before embarking on its latest run to 170. Here's my advice. If you can't live with some short-term pain in the stock of Apple as analyst after analyst take a bite out of the darn thing, then here's what you should do. I'm not kidding. Just go do this. I don't care. No harm, no foul. My problem? How can I tell you to sell it here at 174 down from like 180? How do I tell you to sell it at 174 and then maybe get you back in what, at 168? Maybe get you back in at 159? Because the phone sales would have picked up by then? That maybe, maybe, maybe you're that nimble. I'm not. And I've traded for 40 years. That's why I still say own it, don't trade it. But at least for the moment, I think it's going lower. Negative analysts like to pull, you know, they see it going down. They want to pile on. They love it. They love that stuff. They love the dump. It's like kind of they're in their nature. It's like, wow, yeah, let's just slam Apple today. <laughs> the airlines are different. 
Here's an industry that does well when they can cooperate and maintain discipline on pricing by not adding too many new planes, too many new routes. Ever notice that every time you travel, it's an extremely full flight and you can't even put your bag near you? Well, that's because unlike the old days when the airlines were constantly competing with each other on price, these days they've managed to hold off the ruinous competition, at least until today. When United basically came out and said, one, two, three, four, I declare a price war. Yep, if United declares war, which it absolutely did by deciding to add capacity for as far as the eye can see, you're going to get a visceral negative reaction from the stocks of one, two, three, four, American, Southwest, and Delta. I expect these stocks to remain under pressure until we get a truce, and that could take a long time. Finally, there's General Electric. In truth, the quarter really wasn't even that horrible. I mean, it's miserable and nasty, but not, not horrible. Uh, there were some green shoots in healthcare. Oil and gas was okay. And aerospace, good. However, today, uh, GE threw some high octane gasoline on the earnings fire by disclosing that the SEC is looking into the long term care charge that the company just took. My discipline says that accounting irregularities always equal sell. But I don't think this one's as bad as the people who bailed on the stock seem to believe. Still, there was nothing good to write home about GE. They had some decent cash flow. CEO John Flannery's trying to get his arms around errant divisions, as well as a gigantic pension hole. But uh, was this a reason to sell the industrials? Nah. Gee, sui generis, as we said at law school. The rest of the group's doing just fine. Hey, see the number of United Technologies? How about Illinois Tool Works on later tonight? Bottom line, we had two terrific sessions today, but we also had one hideous one. Pick your poison. I say if this pattern continues, you want to use the weakness to buy your favorites and use the strength to ring the register. But I hope things get less crazy. I'm not sure I can handle 15 trading days a week. David in Alaska. David. Hey, Jim. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Listen, my good neighbor company that I've just bought all the way down to the bottom, it looks like, Alaska Airlines. Can you tell me, is this going to be boosting up I thought the merger would be better for them, David. I really did. I thought the merger would be better. And now you got this new problem with United Airlines adding capacity. I can't get in front of a freight train. I just can't. All aboard. How about Felix in Arizona? Felix. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Prescott, Arizona. All right. Hey, um, I've been holding U.S. Steel now since it was about $30 a share. Okay. And now that this, uh, now that this uh, investigation in Section 232 is complete, right. um, what, do you, what do you think? Well, I like Nucor more. And, you know, it's going over Nucor. And, you know, apparently eh, sometimes the quarter's not as great as I'd like, but it's doing well. If you want to be in the steel stocks, be in one that if it doesn't get 232 still does well. And that's the stock of Nucor. My Chapel Trust owns it. George in Ohio. George. Hey, how are you, Mr. Kramer? I, 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 um, I'm good. How about you? Um, well, well. Uh, right. But I'm, I'm astounded today, and I'm a high-risk-taker investor. I'm All right. Stock market since my father downed me in high school, and uh, I'm older than you. So anyway... I noticed today, I've been in and out of, of OLED, Universal Display, right. for several years, and I noticed what was going on today, and I am i don't know what to do. I was about to, to actually buy some call options, but I saw this thing go go down and down and down and down. And George, I got the answer for you. I got the answer for you. Let the analysts downgrade. They're saying that this company is not doing well because Apple's not ordering parts. Let them all get out. Let the weekends live. And then buy your call options, but not until then. Don't you dare take these scaredy cats out. 
That's not the way we play it here on Man Money. How many sessions can you have in one day? I'm not speaking about that attorney general guy. We had two terrific ones and one real ugly one. It's kind of like a sandwich. Do your buy in the weakness and then offload the ones that aren't so great in the strength. Man, tonight, is Logitech a logical buy in this market? As the company rolls out products in gaming, smart homes, and mobile music, I'm sitting down with the CEO after earnings to see how the company's banking on some of the top tech trends. Then, Procter & Gamble and Kimberly Clark remain intriguing in this market. And with all eyes on Illinois Toolworks after earnings, I'm hammering down the details of the latest quarter with the CEO. So stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Just last night, I explained to you how you can't just dismiss high-quality companies in this environment, even when Wall Street seems to think that they've done something wrong. Take Logitech International. Make your computer peripherals like keyboard, mice, not to mention headphones, speakers, video conferencing equipment, tablet accessories, remote controls, all sorts of high-end gaming gear that's essential for the red-hot esports industry. When Logitech reported in late October... The company delivered a strong quarter. You know I liked it, but it merely maintained the guidance. I said, don't worry about it. But it crushed the stock from 37 down to 33. That was wrong. But when we invited CEO Bracken Darrell on the show, he told a really compelling story. Sure enough, that turned out to be a fabulous buying opportunity. This week, Logitech reported again, and the numbers were stellar. Seven-cent earnings beat over 58-cent basis, much higher than expected sales, up 22% year-over-year. That's pretty great. These guys are seeing record numbers across the board. Stock surged more than 10% yesterday. I loved watching it go. It now is giving you a 76% return since we started recommending stock less than 15 months ago, not to mention being up a quick 24% since the interview. So let's check in with Bracken Darrell, the bankable president and CEO of Logitech International, find out more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Darrell, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you very, very much. Great to see you. you. Your toys, whatever, bring (laughs) great joy to people. And it's because they look good, they sound good. And the younger people love them. So what are you doing? Because it's very different. How did I? How did my 23-year-old know to give this to me for the holidays? Well, you know, I, I, you know, it's hard for me to tell you exactly how she found out, but thank you for finding it. Sure. Um, you know, I think we've had a really good experience with all of our Ultimate Ears Boom, Mega Boom. This is the latest. For, and boy, this is Wonder Boom. This thing is on fire. This really? Is $99. It is unbelievable. It's super sturdy. You can drop it right here. You saw it here for. I mean, you can really, it's super sturdy, super waterproof, great acoustics. And this, she told me I could, drop, I could drop it in the pool, no problem. You, absolutely, you can put it underwater for 30 minutes. It's you incredible. can do whatever you need. I mean, you, it won't play anything underwater, but. No, but, but I mean, like, I have a Marshall, which is great, yeah. but, you know, I got it wet. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You can, no, you can more than get it wet. Yeah. And it, by the way, it's also it's also uh, wireless and it, it's wireless charging. It's on Wi-Fi. It does it all. Alexa enabled. Now, we've talked about e-gaming and all, all yeah. that's happened is yeah. it's just gotten stronger. We had uh, Overwatch start. Overwatch started. Huge, right? 10 million viewers first time live. Bigger than Thursday night football. It's just a monster. It's, it's the first time ever. And uh, kinds of, of teams that are involved? They, they're all broad. They're, they're broad, big name guys. Big name guys. You know, I was at a dinner the other night where I met the uh, this, this chief operating officer of the New York Mets. And, he, you know, Jeff Weeper. You may sure, know. I met him. He was super excited about it. And uh, so, so, yeah, they're all coming in because there's so many young people playing. Wow. Now, uh, 
I, I know we spoke beforehand. You said you, you could do better. What I thought was amazing was this is the least promotional Christmas I've ever seen. You sold everything. I mean, it was amazing your sell through. Is it how much the consumer, how much your product? Because I know you're taking share. Well, we're, we're gaining share. We are, we're in really good markets. You know, we have three ways to grow. The markets we're in are generally growing, some right. of them strongly. We can gain share if we innovate well, and we're innovating well. We're winning lots of design awards. And then we can enter new categories, and that's what exactly what we're doing. Like, like Astro, we're, we entered console, you know, console gaming headsets. We entered Jaybird with new, new uh, wireless earphones. Show us that because that's this is so cool. This is my favorite product right now. Okay. I know it's. I know yours is the, the mega. Well, because I'm a klutz. Yeah, I, I love this. So this is so easy to put in your ear. Stays in no matter what. You could. I could play basketball in these. They're built for running. Totally wireless. Uh, great acoustics. They're just wonderful. So we, you know, we're, we're just, we'll keep entering new categories. So we have three different ways to grow. Okay, talk about this video collaboration was up 25% annual run rate. 200 million. What are you doing there? Well, what's happening there is you, you know, used to be you'd go into a, a room in an office and, and, and you'd have a, you might have a conference call if there was a phone. Mm -hmm. Well, now those offices are no longer offices. They're enclosed rooms. The office is an open office, so you need more enclosed rooms so people can get away and have a, a personal call or a group call. Right. Those, all those closed rooms are going to be video enabled, and it's the very beginning of this. So we're, we make really low-cost video, video enabling equipment for, for cloud-based video conferencing. So if you use cloud-based video conferencing system, you get our stuff. It's really cheap. You can, for the cost of a chair or two, you can video enable a room. Okay, and they're on. Yep. Now, um, <laughs> yeah, there was no, a company no. that came public the other day, uh, ADT. Candidly, I told people yep. to avoid it. Uh, home security. Yep. Do I really need a company like that when I can use your home security? Well, we, we love home security. This is our circle camera. Let's this hold has, this up because this is This rather is remarkable. really, really cool. I, I can't show you this on air, so go online and look. This thing, I can unscrew this, this little circle here. I can just twist it off. Mm -hmm. I can put it in different mounts. This one's for plugging in. You can, I can turn it into a, a totally wireless one. I can also put a, put a little thing on the front and stick it to a window to look out the window for you. So this can kind of do it all. There's a role for, for all kinds of security. Almost everybody, you know, the vast majority right, of people want right. some kind of security. But I think the do-it-yourself, put my own up. Security is here to stay, and it's going to get bigger and bigger, and, and that's what we do. We that love was um, approximately $10,000 four years ago to do it yourself. What is it now? Oh, this you, you can do a whole house now for, for $800. hundred. Yeah, that's a fraction. Yeah. With, with no monthly fee. So I, I obviously or, got Or a very off. small monthly fee. No, no fee. I was paying the going rate. Yeah. It, it, the going rate was, was about that much at yeah. the time. Yeah, I believe it. Um, okay, so tell me how much is, uh, what are you thinking about the consumer here? Because I keep hearing consumer on fire. Well, it sure seems like, you know, this was a great holiday for the consumer. Best in what? Best four in, years, it, 10 four, years, 20 years? At least five years. At least five years. Okay. So it was a very good holiday. A good, you know, it was, our best, it was our best quarter ever. It was a good holiday. We, you know, we, as you know, we grew 18% at the top, 18 at the bottom. And we could have done better. You know, we, I'm mad at myself. I'm wearing this tie because my CFO said the day that we don't execute as well as we should, you, you and Where I are wearing ties. did you not ties. execute well? Well, we, just, we, we, we didn't get as much as we could because we didn't transition as well as we could one of our DCs. Uh, and we right, could have better distribution profits. Distribution centers. Yeah. You know, I need people to explain that. And e-commerce, I mean, just amazing, right? E-commerce is amazing. I mean, it's, it's just a freight train. You know, it's all over the world. You know, our, in our China business, 70% of our business goes through e-commerce. Really? Four years ago, four, four and a half years ago, that was 13. So, and that's just, is it uh, Alibaba, Tencent? I mean, what? Yeah, basically, T-Bow, T-Mall. And how do they find out? Is it social media? Yeah. It has to be there also. Social media. Right? Social media is just on fire. Well, you have made a fortune for people. And I have to tell you, I got attracted to your stuff because it's great looking. It turns out it's great. 
Well, we're you know we're really at the beginning of what we're doing, Jim. There's I, I there's that. a there's a very there's a gigantic opportunity for all all kinds of companies and certainly for us. Well, when I got this, I was thrilled. I could not believe it. <laughs> I knew where it was from. She didn't. She said, "Oh, Dad, this is the hottest thing in the I'm world." I'm so proud. No idea that she knew that she knew about Logitech. She knows about. Me. I'm so okay. proud. That's Bracken Darrell, President CEO of Logitech International. My daughter did good. This is the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. Stay with Craver. supposed to do with the consumer packaged goods stocks here? On the one hand, these are well-run companies with fabulous dividends. On the other hand, the whole group is facing some major problems that we haven't had to deal with for ages. Issues of relevance, capital returns, rotations that have made the stocks seem a lot less attractive. Now, at the moment, the consumer packaged goods stocks have been weighed down by the fact that they've gone out of style on the Wall Street fashion show. Big money managers prefer to own the cyclical stocks when we've got a booming global economy. In fact, the hedge fund playbook says you got to stay away from these stocks at all costs. These managers want the kind of growth that's much easier to find in tractors. Caterpillar, great, some great numbers today. Uh, aerospace assembly, United Technologies, right? Uh, but they, they like that far more than a bottle of shampoo or package of diapers. If you were trying to sell the consumer packaged goods stocks to, say, a big pension fund, you're an analyst, right? I think they'd ask something similar to what I heard on this not-so-great Kimberly Clark conference call. Basically, you've got an insanely strong economy worldwide, a lower dollar, some inflation, which should lead to better pricing, but you can only give us a 1% growth? I mean, are you kidding? However, the fact remains that none of these stocks has lost their bond market equivalent status. And if you can find the ones with the right balance of capital allocation towards dividends and buybacks, you should be able to do pretty well long-term. If you need income, the consumer packaged goods stocks are a much better deal than bonds, at least for the moment still. But I can't pound the table in the group for everyone. If you don't need income, eh, take a pass. Why is that? First, the growth of this industry is now constrained by the online retailers. Think Amazon. And that's not as good as we've seen with books and apparel. Second, millennials are very value conscious. They try to find the lowest prices wherever they can get them, whether it be the club stores like Costco or Walmart dollar stores on the web. Third, the consumer packaged goods companies seem like they're going to spend an awful lot of time waiting for birth rates to bounce back. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Sickles like Boeing, Caterpillar, Illinois, Tourx, they don't care about demographics. Fourth, no matter how strongly I believe in their dividends, the fact remains that dividend stocks become very risky when the Federal Reserve does a few more tightenings. Higher rates make these yields less attractive. Fifth, the group simply isn't innovating like, say, healthcare, nor are they harnessing much technology as I'd like them to. So then what the heck is the point of even addressing a stock like a Procter & Gamble or Kimberly Clark on this show at Colgate? They report later this week. I mean, simple. If you're running a diversified portfolio, as everyone should be, and you're looking for a sustainable long-term source of income, then these stocks are absolutely worth looking. They're absolutely worth looking at. Worst case, they go lower, give you higher yields. Why don't we take the stock of Procter? I think that the company recognizes the challenges of the new outlets, the new distribution methods, and they need to be more competitive on price. Take a look at Gillette Razors, huh? But at the same time, Procter is very serious about rewarding its shareholders. Always has been. The company now recognizes that it needs to be far more radical about cost cuts if it's going to keep rewarding shareholders with ever higher dividends, as it always has. You know what? I bet the addition of Nelson Peltz to the board of directors, I bet you that's going to end up producing a stretch of dramatic margin improvement. Perhaps in the same order as what happened at Mondelez when Peltz was on board. In other words, while I wouldn't recommend any of the consumer packaged good stocks to investors who simply want capital appreciation, 
meaning higher stock prices. I would endorse Procter for income-seeking investors because of the changes it's going to make in order to take control of its own destiny. In other words, know thyself. Are you older and saving up for retirement? Then you want steady dividend increases, exactly like you'll probably get from both Procter and Kimberly. But if you simply want stocks that are going up, fang-like, then forget about this group, at least for now. How about Keith in New York? Keith. Hey, what's up, Jim? Uh, not much. Losing my voice as usual. How about you, Keith? All right, man. I wanted to ask about Nike and Foot Locker as a stock. I got both of them in my portfolio. And I just wanted to know what you think about those two stocks and where you're seeing Nike and Foot Locker going okay. from here. Not great diversification, but two great stocks. I think Foot Locker's coming back all the way, and Nike's very real. Uh, this move in Nike from the 50s to the 60s is all about Nike resurgence and Nike technology. And I welcome them to come on the company on, the, uh, on this show anytime. Anyone from the company. Doesn't have to be just Mr. Parker. Stephen and Matt Please, Stephen. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, my question is about uh, uh, the fast food company Wendy's, and I wonder if the stock is going up or going down. No, no, it's going higher. They're doing a lot of good stuff in terms of changing the menu. You know, it's been a big winner. I think they have great management, taking out costs. You want to be in Wendy's, and I think Wendy's could be a much bigger presence worldwide. I really like that stock. Okay, know thyself. If you want income more than growth, then you want steady any dividend increases. I think Kimberly and Proctor, if you're listening to their conference calls, are still buys. For you, know thyself. Proctor's ripe for long-term change, too. Much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with the CEO of Illinois Toolworks after earnings. Then with much of the market focused on the big banks, are they missing a buying opportunity with the regional players? I'm going to sit down with First Horizon CEO after earnings to see how the company's faring. I like that one. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. I do have a show. Yeah, you do. I got a show. They don't have a show. Well, you got this show, too, by the way. I got a lot of shows. Just don't, you know, you see that? I have a show. What's the matter with that? Well, you're sitting right here on our show, too. No, I got a couple shows. Okay, good. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. What do you call a company when it reports an amazing result and then the stock does nothing? Well, because it's a down day for the industrials, I call it a gift. Take Kramer, Fave, and Charitable Trust holding Illinois Toolworks, the maker of specialized industrial equipment that just this morning delivered a beautiful top and bottom line beat. Also raising its full year guidance, taking organic growth up, that's what we care about. It was a classic beat and raise. Yet because investors freaked out about General Electric, which is really kind of a faux, faux industrial Nobody wanted to touch the group today, so it only went up about 70 cents. Do not take it from me. Let's check in with Scott Sandy. He's the terrific chairman and CEO of Illinois Toolworks. Learn more about the quarter and how his company sponsors. Mr. Sandy, welcome back to Man Money. Good to see you, Scott. Great to be back. Good to see you. You have always told me that your business model is such that if one group may not be on fire, another one can be. Uh, Auto, not as strong as you'd like welding off the charts. You're the most diversified company I've ever seen, and there's always something or two or three that are working. This model is perfect for this environment, is it? Well, it, it, it certainly gives us the ability to take, uh, you know, sort of a hit in terms of some economic uh, pressure in one area and offset it with another part of the company that is doing pretty well. I think that played out very well in, in Q4 overall, where we had a couple of parts of the company, like auto, as you mentioned, right. uh, and also food equipment that maybe were a little softer, given some the near-term market conditions and more than offset by 
uh, test and measurement, welding in our specialty business. I think well, the over, go ahead, please. I want to talk about welding. Yeah. We have a huge number of companies that are growing that we feature in the Southeast. And all of them have one thing in common. They need welders. You bet. Your equipment is uniquely set up, as I understand it, to make it so you don't have to be a genius in welding to be a welder. And that's what's taking off. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, one of the real issues in the, in, with a lot of trades these days is that there's a, a growing shortage of skilled and trained labor. You see it in the automation arena, certainly in the welding arena. So a you know, big component of our innovation focus there is to take some relatively sophisticated technology but create inter user interfaces that allow you to apply that sophisticated technology to a lower skill level of trainee, if you will, and, and they can be very effective at their at their job. I mean, there was so, a time yeah. when we only had welders on boats in, right. in Bethlehem Steel. This is fantastic. Another thing I'm interested in, you talked about, don't worry that much about auto. We're locking in good numbers for next year. How do you lock in a good number? Well, we are. Uh, the story for auto is that we've been growing that business faster than the, the underlying auto build growth for by three, four percentage points consistently for the last three or four years. So the story there for us is really about penetration gains. You know, bills will go up, bills will go down in terms of the overall economic cycle. Um, but our position is we compete and, and supply a niche there that is very uh, sort of highly engineered. Our content today in this category of relevant space, mm -hmm. the spaces we're interested in, is maybe $35 on a per car basis. We think we have the potential in terms of the overall market size to be uh, certainly double that over the next five years or so. So plenty of room to run regardless of sort of the ebbs and flows. Okay, so if it's 17 million, it doesn't matter. You can make matters more a, matters a little bit. Now, there's another uh, part of your business that I absolutely love um, that is challenged right now. But I know you can't get out of it. I wish you'd double up on it. This food equipment business, because yeah. you're the best at it. We love that business as well. You but bet. you don't mind that it's had a couple quarters that are soft. Don't mind at all. We're, you know, we're in it for the long haul, Jim. We've been here for, ITW's been around for 105 years now. Uh, our focus is on, on building you know, a company that can perform through thick and thin. And from the standpoint of fundamentals, mm -hmm. fit with our business model, food equipment is right at the top of the charts across all seven of our businesses well, in terms of great fit for us long okay, term. Okay, we're opening yeah. a, a second restaurant. Congratulations. Just announcing yes. it right here. Yeah. Because we feel regulatory environment better. We feel a little, you know, kind of feel the, the bubbling up. Yeah, terrific. We use the salamander product, and it is the best broiler in the world. But my wife did told me, because she's the manager, she said, your stuff is the best, but it's a little pricey. Now, is there ever a chance that you guys would do a little more downscale or buy some companies that maybe are not as elite as Vulcan, as Salamander? Well, we would give you the no, family I don't, discount. I don't want a discount. I'm just that. saying your stuff is known no, as the best, well, yeah. but it's a tougher time in that business. Well, it is, and I think you know, there's, there are certainly elements of uh, positions that we don't have today that we might take a extend into going forward, but overall... Our focus is on, on really um, sort of the parts of the market where the performance really matters to the customer, right. the more sophisticated, more challenging environments are really the places that we try to line up and play long term. But again, uh, very uh, cost saving in the yeah. end. If yeah. you can pay it up front, right? you save a huge amount of money. Right. Lower, lower operating costs, lower use of electricity, right. lower water consumption and dishwashing. It's $1,500. I'll make, I'll make the pitch it. after the segment. All right. right. So, and, and test and measurement, why so strong? Um, you know, really what we're seeing, I think, is the front end of a, of a recovery finally in the business investment cycle. Okay. So 
Um, you know, the big story for us at Q4 was it was the strongest organic growth rate we had all year, and it was largely driven by a noticeable further acceleration in the parts of our company that are tied to the CapEx cycle, so the go. equipment end. And it'd probably get better yeah. with the accelerated depreciation, of course, the better regulatory. Product. I think so. Yeah, I think, I think we're set up well heading into 18. I think your stock would be much, much bigger if it weren't for the fact that we had the roller coaster industrials. It is an opportunity. That's Scott Sandy, Chairman and CEO of Illinois Torx, ITW. This is a remarkable company. Go and read the deck. Go and, and read the conference call. You will see it is just an amazing, amazing shareholder-friendly company. Mad Money's back here to the break. It is time. It is time for the lightning round. We play the sound. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy. Time for the lightning round. Let's start with James in California. James. Hey, Jim. How are you today? I am good. How about you, James? I'm great, thanks. But my stock's down $22 in the last three sessions and about 30% off from its all-time high. Can I buy more Ulta Beauty? I want to see. There's apparently a lot of price cutting. We got to hear from the CEO. I don't like to hear price cutting because I got a lot of retailers that are going full prices, not promotional. So that's my take. Joanne in New York. Joanne. Hi, Jim. Joanne. Yes. You're up. Okay. Hey, Jim. Yes. It's. it's I'm calling from my hospital bed, and I oh. want to know what you fe- your feelings are about Dominion. Well, I hope you. I hope you're feeling better. No, thank you. Okay. Spine surgery. Oh, geez, that's painful. Well, I hope you're up yes. and about as soon as possible. Uh, letter right. D, Dominion, 4.4% ah, yield. Like that compound, it's a well-run company. I know it's down because people are staying away from those kinds of stocks. I want you to buy it. Gary in Tennessee, Gary. Jim, dilly yeah, dilly, dilly dilly. Congrats on the Eagles win. One to go. One to go. We're not done yet. And we're humble, unlike the other team. What's up? <laughs> Go hey, ahead. thanks for all you do for us, Jim. I really, really enjoy the, uh, ah, the technical information you, you give us and, and common sense stuff you give us, too. It's really Thank good. Thank you. Thank you. And the stock is? Yeah, looking for your opinion on the infrastructure stock, U.S. Concrete. We're oh, come on. He's terrific. I like that stock. I think that stock could have another leg up here once the states start funding more business. Julie in Louisiana. Julie! Oh, yeah, Jim. Wanted to get your thoughts on Micron Technology, symbol MU. Ah, you know what? Until I listen to Martin Ansys on the Lamb Research call, which is going on as I do the show, I cannot opine on what I think about Micron because I want to see whether the supply and demand is tipped. I'd not like the stock of late. How about Ed in New Jersey? Ed. Bullion, Dr. Jim. Yes. What's up? Jim, uh, LYG, the Lloyd Group, uh, they come out with- No, if we're going to do that, we're going to do buckles and then there. If we want to do a European bank, we want to do S-A-N. Josh, in the Red Hot area, that is Tennessee. Josh. Jim, big booyah from Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, Red Hot. What's going on? I need to know what you think about Remark Holdings, symbol M-A-R-K. Every time I think of this, I think it's Kramer spelled backwards, but I have not looked at it. And I know it's been a red-hot stock. I have to do homework on Remark Industries. Of course, it would be if my name was spelled with a K. All right, let's go to Greg in New Jersey. Greg. Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm uh, good. They're trying to find my voice. You seen it? What's going on? 
Uh, I just want to ask you about uh, Republic First Bank or FRBK. Oh, we like um, we, that's Ferdinand. We like that song. That's a good one. Um, and by the way, uh, can I just say I thought First Horizon's really, really good. Uh, do we have time for one more? Yes, we do. And we're going to go to Brian in New York. Brian. Hey, Jim Booyah. How are Booyah. you? Ah, good. How about you? Awesome, awesome. And listen, I'm a big-time fan. You're doing a great job. Thank Love you. everything that you've been doing. Thank you. Uh, helping me out along along the way. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm actually interested in and what I want to ask you about is the AMD, Advanced Micro Devices. I think what it's think not of- as good as NVIDIA, but I want Dr. Lisa Sue to come on because it is an inexpensive stock, but it's got... I, it's got Intel against it, and it's got NVIDIA against it, and those are very powerful opponents. How about we go to Jeff from Wyoming? Jeff. Jeff. Yes. Jeff. Booyah from Wyoming. There you go. What's up? I'm, I have a question about FMC Corp. You know, all the lithium stocks are going down because of something that was uh, we talked about. Big expansion, Society Chemica. I'm on hold right now, FMC, until I learn more. It's a very confusing situation. And that, ladies and gentlemen, Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. At this point in the earnings season, We've heard from pretty much all the banks, from the big money centers to the investment banks to the smaller regionals. Last week, I explained why I like some of the big boys. Did you see Goldman Sachs up a quick 15 bucks since I recommended it just on Friday? But what about the regionals? We haven't heard from them on the show. You'd think this would be a good place to invest with the Federal Reserve poised to raise interest rates multiple times this year, instantly making the banking businesses more profitable. Yeah, look at First Horizon, FHM, one of our longtime faves. Tennessee-based regional bank, more than 300 locations throughout the South and the Southeast, which has become one of the hottest parts of the country. The thing is, when First Horizon reported on Friday, somehow the results didn't move the needle. I thought it was wrong. But listen, I think that it's because the quarter was kind of noisy and the stock had run in advance of the quarter. While First Horizon delivered inline earnings, better than expected sales, up 17%, and a rising net interest margin, I get the impression people were thrown off by two things. Like every other bank, these guys took some charge because of the change in the tax code. And on top of that, First Horizon just closed on its largest ever acquisition, the $2.2 billion purchase of Capital Bank, which now makes them the fourth largest regional bank in America. I think it have a lot more upside. Let's take a closer look with Brian Jordan, the chairman and CEO of First Horizon National. Hear more about the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Jordan, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. Good evening. Brian, you predicted that there would be a resurgence in lending. You predicted that our country would be stronger and there'd be growth and less regulation. Everything you said on our show has panned out. How, what has it meant for First Horizon shareholders? Well, it's been good for First Horizon shareholders. As you stated in your introduction, we've seen a little bit of improvement in our stock price. And we just yesterday increased our dividend by 33%. Our, our board voted to increase the dividend, which is a sign of the the growth and the profitability and strength of our business, but it's also a a bit of a signal that we believe that the future for our business and our industry is strong and that we ought to reward shareholders. Now, you made a fantastic acquisition. Most banks can't even acquire anymore. They're too big. Tell us what it brings and tell us about the integration, because a lot of times these systems are difficult to integrate and they take a couple of quarters to get right. Uh, that's exactly right. The integration is objective number one for 2018. 
we have a great group of people who are spending virtually full-time, if not more than full-time, working on the planning and the steps to get the transaction integrated. But what it will do for us and what it is, is beginning to do is really open up and strengthen our markets outside of Tennessee. As you will recall, we've had a presence in North Carolina for going on 15, 17 years. And this really strengthens our presence in North Carolina, upstate South Carolina. And we also pick up a, a meaningful presence in South Florida. So it gives us a, a number of great growth markets. They're very strong demographically with good household income growth, household wages, and dynamic markets. So it opens up our marketplace and gives us a tremendous number of, of additional opportunities to deliver our products and services in high growth markets. I am trying to get people to understand the importance for people who come to your bank for small business loans, medium-sized loans, that the world has changed. That regulatory yeah. problems seem to be in the rearview mirror. Are you having people who wouldn't take loans out before who are now courageous and brave enough because they feel the environment's changed? Yes, we are seeing a pickup in lending activity. It, it is a little bit of a, a sense of excitement over the last year. Some of it, I'm sure, is, is a rollback in some of the regulatory environment, both in financial institutions and the broader economy. And then we've seen a good bit of excitement with the passage of tax reform in the December time frame. And clearly the ability of financial institutions to, to lean in a little bit more and, and make credit available to, to not only small businesses, mid-sized businesses, and large businesses, but also consumers, I think, is going to be a strong tailwind for the economy over the remainder of 2018 into 2019. Why are some of my wealthier friends all buying land in Nashville? What's going on in your state <laughs> that there are a lot of people who yeah. literally are going down there, and they are speculators, I have to admit, but want to buy property and want to buy projects in Tennessee. What is going on? Yeah. Well, Tennessee is a dynamic market. There was a, a little a blurb inside the front page of the Wall Street Journal today. The governor of Tennessee, Governor Bill Haslam, was talking yesterday about what it means to be in a, in a no-income tax state, a, a low-tax state in total, and, and the advantages that presents. Middle Tennessee has been a, a dynamic economy for, for several years. It's driven by a number of factors, healthcare being one of the leading ones, but also entertainment, music, and banking. So it has continued to grow and to grow rapidly. We're seeing a huge growth in people in, in Middle Tennessee. And when you look at the skyline in Tennessee, the first thing you notice is just the sheer number of cranes. That has to do with people moving in, the need for additional office space. So I think it's a great opportunity for people to invest in real estate, but it's also a great place for people to build their businesses. Not to the exclusion of the rest of Tennessee, there's great growth dynamics going on in Chattanooga and Memphis and Knoxville. So Tennessee is a great business environment. There's great taxes, as I mentioned. Work and labor laws are mm -hmm. very, very favorable. And so we're seeing good growth across the state. And right. we've, we're proud to have a strong banking presence here. Well, it's been a remarkable resurgence, and you've been an integral part of it. And I think your stock has a lot more room to run. I want to thank Brian Jordan, Chairman, President, CEO of First Horizon. We liked it at 11. It's going much higher. Thank you, sir. Stick with Kramer. What's better than Mad Money? 
How about more Mad Money? Follow Mad Money on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to go one-on-one -on -one with Kramer. Reaction. What other questions do we have? Ah, I always tell people you got to start with an index fund because I need you to be diversified. Get more with guests. How do you stay sharp? And go behind the scenes with the most interactive show on television. If you can't explain in three bullets why you're buying a certain stock, don't buy it. Follow Mad Money today. Can we please stay calm? The market dropped more than 200 points from top to bottom. And everybody I know said something real bad is about to happen. You got to get out of stocks. But as long as we have that attitude, you have to be a buyer, not a seller, when we have these intraday dips. But have your shopping list ready, please. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I'll see you tomorrow.